I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Before we jump into today's episode, we wanted to briefly mention our brand new Patreon. Yay! Yay! So if you are a longtime or a one-time listener of the Screen Sirens, you now have the opportunity to support our adventure into old Hollywood and women and social justice movies. There's a link in wherever you find your podcasts, um, but it's patreon.com backslash the screen sirens. And there's multiple levels at which you can support our work. All of it helps keep the, the podcast machine running. And we are grateful for any and all support. Yes, thank you so much. More, so we can do more deep dives on Catherine Hepburn or Carrie Grant or <laughs> or <laughs> like anyone to... else you want. <laughs> and yes, at the highest level, you can request a movie too okay. that we'll do an episode about. And there's other benefits at every level. So okay. check it out. Yay! Um, so today we are discussing the 1963 film *Lilies of the Field*, in which. Homer Smith, played by Sidney Poitier, is a transient military veteran who lives out of his car and makes his sustenance working at odd jobs as an itinerant handyman. While traveling through the Arizona desert, his car overheats and he stops for water. The small remote farmstead houses a handful of German nuns, led by the austere Mother Maria, played by Lilia Scala, who believes that God has sent him there to help help them build a chapel. Homer initially resists. Oh yes, chapel. <laughs> Homer initially resists the invitation, but eventually joins with the nuns and the community to create their own quote unquote miracle by building the chapel. Part of the reason we picked this movie is because Sidney Poitier recently passed away, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, and this was the film for which he won the Oscar. Um, he was the first Black actor to win the Academy Award. For and Best that, Actor. For Best Actor. And that, he, it wasn't until like the 90s that a second man did. So that's a very sad stat. But we wanted to check out the performance because this was not a movie that I'd seen. I thought you were going to say that the one of the reasons why we um, picked this movie was because apparently in 2022, we have a through line of movies uh, where women hold men against their will to do work for them <laughs> for free or almost free um, and create miracles. If you will. Yep, that, that sounds about right. Our season so far. Huh? <laughs> that pretty much is our season. Yeah, I didn't really know that that was part of it. I mean, we'll get into it later. I do have some <laughs> some trivia about this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it was based on the 1962 novel of the same ni- name by William Edmund Barrett, who based his depiction of the sisters partly on the Benedictine nuns of the Abbey of St. Valberga. Um, which was originally located in Boulder, Colorado. The film was shot on location in Arizona on Linda Ronstadt's father's ranch in only 14 days. What? And the crew had to actually construct the chapel sequentially overnight to keep pace with the filming. Oh my God. I know. That must have been a real job. And then because it 
wasn't their land they had to tear the whole thing down at the end <laughs> <laughs> linda ronstadt's dad didn't just say you can leave the chapel no i would have been like this is a great chapel i will i will keep it um sydney poitier's singing of amen was dubbed by jester hairston who mm-hmm. also composed the song and poitier described himself as tone deaf <laughs> I guess, I mean, it's kind of like he can do everything. Even when I was watching this movie, I was like, wow, he has a really good voice. (laughs) But then I read this later. So I mentioned that he was the first Black man to win the Academy Award for Best Actor for this movie. But he was open about having mixed feelings about that. Um, He thought he had won, not because Hollywood was becoming enlightened, but because he was being treated as a token. Oh, and the day after he won, he told a reporter, I like to think it will help someone, but I don't believe my Oscar will be a sort of magic wand that will wipe away the restrictions on job opportunities for Negro actors. Hmm. And there's a whole phenomenon there. I even read this old like column about this, about like white people really loving him uh-huh. as like exceptional that I've even seen play out like, anecdotally (laughs) among like people I grew up with and stuff like people who you know were pretty casually racist Mm -hmm. but then also would say like he was their favorite actor and they like loved all his movies. White people got a white people. Yeah so I could see why he felt that way. Yeah. And last one the director Ralph Nelson did a cameo and I don't even know if you can call it a cameo because it was a substantial role he played Mr. Ashton um, but he did not give himself on-screen credit for it speaking of white people got a white people yeah (laughs) so who did you bio for this movie so we had previously bioed Sydney Poitier for when we did Paris Blues a couple of years ago so I bioed Lilia Scala who played mother maria so she was an austrian architect and actress best known for her role in this film and a role at the end of her um career that i'll mention when i get to the end of the bio she was born lilia sofer in in vienna uh her mother was roman catholic and her father was jewish her mother's last name was uh, Scala, and she was forced to flee nazi occupied uh Austria in the 1930s with her husband and their two young sons. And so they, they fled and adopted the non-Jewish sounding surname, surname of her, her mother, Scala. So her whole family took her, her mother's uh, Roman Catholic uh, last name because of, you know, the, re- the refugee crisis. Um, they, it took them a while to get to the United States, um, but they eventually settled here she worked first in, when they got to the United States, she worked first as in like some factories and things, but eventually made it to the stage. Bef- before all that, however, um, she, when she was a, a teenager, she was very interested in the theater, but her parents didn't want her to pursue um, a career in the theater. They wanted her, if, if she was going to pursue a career, they wanted her to pursue a respectable one. So they, um, they sent her to study at the University of Dresden in Germany because women were not allowed to study at the University of Vienna yet. So she went to Germany, studied architecture, and then um, came back to Vienna to practice architecture for a while. Um, and then 
After the birth of her first son, she enrolled in acting lessons and sort of rekindled her long lost interest in theater. Um, she acted a little bit um, in Austria and then when they fled, she had to uh, survive first yeah. and then um, eventually, you know, got some small roles um, and ended up um, appearing in a lot of different television shows and serials from 1952 through 1985. She appeared uh, in some Broadway Broadway shows, including Call Me Madam with Ethel Merman. And then she played the Countess on Green Acres in, 19, in the 1960s. She was nominated for uh, Best a- Actress o- Oscar in this role which is her most famous role she also appeared in a number of films including charlie in 1968 eleanor and franklin in 1976 and flash dance in 1983 what Um, what role was she in that she plays the um like the mentor for jennifer oh my gosh talk about opposite ends of the spectrum right (laughs) so Yeah, she went on, you know, to live a a long life and died in 1994 in Bayshore, New York of natural causes at the age of 98. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a really cool life, like born in Vienna, study in Dresden, become an architect, then become an actress. I mean, uh, cool, except for that whole, like, having to flee your homeland. Yes, then, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Change your name. (laughs) That because part, of anti-Semite. Not so great. <laughs> I think it's interesting that she didn't start acting until later in life, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Inspiration, and for sure. It seems like a theme of so many of our bios that the parents discourage them from going into it and then they end up doing it anyway, like one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we should get into it. I have questions to ask about her in particular but yeah um, I mean I have questions about her and the whole order to ask you as the uh the resident catholic (laughs) (laughs) well so had you seen this movie before no and I didn't really know what it was about when I started to watch it and so when I was like I turned it on started watching it and then suddenly was like wait a second there are German nuns in Arizona what (laughs) why (laughs) yeah it it seems like a like but it's one of those things where the premise is so weird that it's weird enough to be true you know because it's like specific (laughs) I I had not I think there was a remake of this at some point I feel like I saw some kind of remake or something that was like a made for tv movie when I was a kid so I sort of had a vague recollection of like I know they're trying to build a chapel and they keep trying to get him to do the work and he doesn't want to do it I mean I knew that that was part of it but I had never seen this original film I just want to point out we will get to Bechtel but like movies about nuns will always pass the best (laughs) that's very true there is a lot of female there's more female like named female characters in this movie than like um, almost any other movie we've watched this whole yeah yeah 
which is not to say that they're all developed, but right. they're definitely talking about things other than they're relationships. Talking about the chapel. Yeah, they're talking about the chapel. They're talking about the songs. So, any, I mean, my overall thoughts were, it was pretty slow. Like, it took a while. Like, the opening, yeah. I thought, was pretty slow. But then once I got into it, I liked it a lot. I found myself, I watched it in a couple of sessions. And when I finished it, I found myself going, oh, I need to finish watching lilies of the field and then being disappointed that i had already finished it so i think that's a good sign yeah that's how i felt too like you kind of wanted to see the conclusion i guess the subtext was less clear to me of like i didn't feel like i totally understood you know what homer was thinking and what mother maria was thinking yeah and so i was eager to talk with you about it to see like your interpretation. But one mm-hmm. thing I thought, like this is our third Sydney Poitier movie that we've done on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it, it occurred to me that this is the first one where I feel like the movie is told largely from his character's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is, that's true. Yeah. And I could totally see why his performance would be so lauded because he made the character kind of weird mm-hmm. in a way that felt true mm-hmm. like it could have like, actually I thought my opinion is that most of the other actors seemed kind of flat compared to him in this because he just felt so much like a whole person mm-hmm. yeah and if there were pieces that like didn't weren't filled in because I have some questions about his character and who he was and where he came from and where he was going and what he did in California for those that period of time when he wasn't there and why he came back spoiler Um, (laughs) even with those holes and those questions I still feel like he was almost more a human being than a character yeah that makes sense yeah I felt that way too he just did a lot of strange things it was kind of like he he seemed very confident and like himself and like to know who he was and that's why he was doing all of these yeah like odd little voices and talking to himself and all kinds of things Um, It didn't feel affected at all. It just felt like he was a person the way you were saying. Yeah. I guess my biggest questions coming away from this were, you know, why did he decide to help them? And then why did he leave when it was done? And then also with Mother Maria, like what was her plan in terms of what she wanted to get out of him? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he the the he drives the nuns into into Ashton's place or whatever. Yeah, and the plan is that he's dri- dropping them off and then he's hitting the road because he's had enough. But Ashton, being like a racist white guy, you know, calls him boy and is like, you know, you can't be the you know, there's these nuns are telling me that you're the contractor for their chapel, but there's no way you can be the contractor because you're a black man. Like sort of as a the way I read it was that he was sort of like, you know, like to prove this white guy and his just overt racism wrong. He said, you know, like, why, why can't I be the contractor? And furthermore, why don't you hire me to, to, yeah. to, to drive 
you're you're your earth mover i can move and i can drive any of these things and it turns out he can and that ashton needs needs him he sort of moved to you know to stay and build the chapel as sort of a like prove it to this racist white dude that like you can't just assume that because he's black he doesn't know how to do anything and then i think he stays i mean he leaves because he like he wants to build the chapel himself he wants it's like an accomplishment then to like to do it and even when the like mexicans i guess they're supposed to be are like offering to help he's like no i want to do it myself because he has a vision then of what it's supposed to look like and um and then he's like the foreman of and so it's his project and when it's done time to leave yeah it seemed i don't know his motivations so part of it is that you think he wanted to prove that he could do it yes and i mean i guess part of like uh, what i'm curious about is did at any point he change his mind and just be like, like i thought there was some undercurrent of him looking at like the nuns just want this so badly and they're being so persistent that I'm finally just gonna do it I read it more like he he saw like that no one believed in them like just the way in the way that nobody believed in him because he was just a you know they just saw him as a black guy that he you know because they were like the guy running the diner was like oh those crazy nuns the priest was like oh those crazy nuns and he was like even though he had spent a couple of days with them and was kind of like oh these crazy nuns he was like no but they're like i'm gonna side with these these nuns because no one believes in them it seemed like more a point of pride than like that he actually like because when they're at ashton's and he like agrees to to be the contractor he like ushers mother maria into the car but is like you know like he's making the like happy like oh yeah we like got it but he's like what he's saying to her is like you know we're not gonna (laughs) like don't make a fuss here because I don't mm-hmm. want him to see a, him see us like making a fuss. Like we're gonna pretend that like we're on the same page, but like really, oh my god, I can't believe you talked me into this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was pretty obnoxious. Oh my god, <laughs> and the fact that she was so like um, ungracious, like refusing to show any gratitude until yeah. the end when he tricked her into it. Yeah, I I mean that's something that has changed. I think like just theologically, like I don't think that I don't think that would be the case today. That someone would be like I don't know. A lot of the messaging that I hear at church is like, oh, you know, everyone has these gifts and you need to use them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would be like this isn't your gift. This is just God. <laughs> like that's yeah. which was basically what she was saying. Right. Um, like I'm not thanking you. You're just like the instrument of God's will. Yeah, which is kind of nasty, (laughs) especially considering all he did for them, but, um, including feeding them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. The one egg. It was sad. Like I felt bad for those. (laughs) Also, I mean, the cinematography and all was really cool with the setting. Mm-hmm. God, would I not want to live there? Like yeah. they're in the middle of the desert, and they they weren't even near like a town or anything. They had to walk, and it just seemed like the kind of place where you would just wander off and die. Like it, it didn't yeah. seem appealing at all. And can you imagine coming from East Germany to that? No, I mean I had some. I had a lot of questions about the backstory, not only of Homer's, like, how, who is he? How did he get here? But also, like, there's a little bit of, like, oh, these nuns, like, this land was given to the archdiocese. I can't remember if that's what it was, but 
you know, by this one guy who died, you know, and he specifically wanted the German nuns to come. And so these German nuns came over the wall (laughs) and you can't understand how hard their life was, you know, and how hard the trip was to come over the wall. And it's like, at some point they're like, say somebody, whoever said this to Homer, I was like, I'm pretty sure Homer doesn't need to like think about coming over the wall. He like experiences, you know, oppression on a regular basis. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it was kind of interesting how in a lot of ways they didn't really talk about race that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the movie, I mean, except for Ashton being like blatantly racist. Yeah. And most of the people in the movie were marginalized people. Like you Mm -hmm. you have Homer, you've got the nuns, and then the people who live all around them who seem to be Hispanic Mm-hmm. and but they don't talk I mean there's one part where when they're partying after they get the walls up yeah then they call him a gringo yeah but aside from that they don't really talk about it that much which seems I don't know it seemed odd to me for 1963 but yeah I mean there is that scene at the end where like Ashton like because of course like the nuns went to Ashton first to say like hey before the events of this film to say we want to build a chapel you know you're a contractor you're a developer like give us the supplies to build a chapel and you know build this chapel for us for free and he refused and it's only when he like sees that like the the chapel is going to be a success that he's like oh I need to like get in on that and so he sends over or he drives over like you know a bunch of brick Juan is that the name of the guy who runs the diner yeah Juan and and Homer are like talking to him about it and then they like turn to each other and Juan is like or I forget which one of them says like you know he sees that we're like building in in Adobe and he brings us bricks he even like goes out of his way to say like they're second bricks but they're still fine like watching that scene I was like god Ashton is the whitest man (laughs) like this is this is this is an allegory for every like social justice movement oh yeah it's like oh there's this parade going by like I'll hop in front and yeah. pretend it was my thing. Yeah. And I'll like donate these like like there's a food pantry. I'm gonna donate my like expired canned goods to the food pantry and feel good about myself. What a white person thing to do. <laughs> I thought it was cool how they used Adobe. I know. To build it and seeing the nuns like stomping or like churning the, the Adobe with their feet was pretty cool. Yeah. What did you think of the fact that like even the stuff like him buying them food? I don't know. He just seemed really generous with them. Mm -hmm. Do you think he felt affection towards them? I think he probably developed some affection towards them. But in some ways, I think he like in the beginning, at least the food, he was like, I got to subsist on more than bread and one egg. And uh, I can't just like buy the food for myself. I'm going to have to buy it for them, too. And like, it's not really it, it was more like an intellectual like, oh, you know, like they need more than just bread and an egg and milk. Yeah, that was really sad. The one egg I I would not have done especially because they were doing physical work too yeah it did I did like sort of admire their stubbornness that they were clearly fairly inept at running the farm yes and Mm -hmm. they were just like well we're gonna stick it out and through sheer force of will we're gonna make happen here what we want to see happen I thought that was cool and in a way it was also strategically smart I thought that they wanted to build the chapel on their land I mean Mm -hmm. in addition to it being like there is no church here yeah for the you know these people like that would make it so mass would be at their place 
every <laughs> Sunday. And so they didn't then, have to walk down the road. Yeah, they didn't have to walk there. And also probably people would be like bringing contributions to them and stuff, mm-hmm. even if it was small. Yeah. So it was not a bad idea. And the finished product of the chapel was really beautiful. It was incredible. Yeah, the you know that I like of this podcasting duo, I'm like the sappy one. <laughs> and the way the community came together to create it and everyone was bringing like you know the chandelier and the carved door and and all of that I thought was really moving and it it felt like the way it should be like Mm -hmm. you know the raising of a church like it was just this poor community giving their time and you know any little thing that they had yeah I thought that was a really incredible message yeah it was and especially since we just recently watched the bishop's wife where they were talking about building the cathedral and like she wanted the portrait of her dead husband more prominent than like the crucifix or whatever Uh yeah this seemed even more striking (laughs) you know there were no wealthy patrons the people just wanted a church yeah well and then when they like tried to write those letters to the all the foundations to say give us money foundations and the like community organizations and they clearly got rejected by (laughs) that your Kiwanis joke (laughs) yes that was a they said something like oh the Kiwanis like well we can try (laughs) um which is funny because they're famous for giving these very small college scholarships that'll be like two hundred dollars or something um to buy books that's kind of what they do but they make kiwanis are still kicking like going strong (laughs) so you know one thing that occurred to me is that if he's a veteran Mm -hmm. are we to assume that he it was in korea i guess so because he's probably too young to have been in world war ii right yeah i think that makes sense okay yeah because i was thinking if he had been a world war ii vet or even so i was kind of surprised that like these german nuns were here and no one was saying anything disparaging to them (laughs) yeah I mean, I was surprised about that, that like, yeah, that no one was saying anything disparaging to them because of, I mean, even though it's, you know, well past World War II, it seems like still a sore spot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, I thought it was funny that none of the, at the point where he was sitting out of being the foreman, foreman, <laughs> and then they were trying to communicate. He was like basically the only one who, you know, they had to speak in English to him Mm-hmm. and then he needed to talk to Juan. Like, there were so many different languages going that there wasn't any, like, good direct communication happening. They needed all this translating. Mm-hmm. And they needed one leader. Yeah. Who knew what the heck they were doing. It couldn't be Maria, who, like, had a vision but didn't know how to execute. Yeah, when he was such a good foreman, I was thinking, that is an incredible skill. Yeah. Like to be able to just step in and know what needs to happen and be able to direct everyone and to be, you know, that commanding of a person. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the reason why he stays is because he knows that he's capable of doing that and has never been given that chance before. So when the nuns are like, we want you to build a chapel, he's like, like, I want to build a building. I want a building that is mine that I can say, like, I have built this. I was in charge of building it. 
And when he like puts his his name in the top of the in the base where the cross is, like there's a like definitely a sense of pride that comes through where he's like, This is this is the project that I led. Yeah, I liked that. And I wondered if that was supposed to be part of the takeaway for him of um, you know, what he was getting out of it mm-hmm. was that he had you know, the knowledge that he could do it and also the confidence that it gave him. I mean, I was curious about what he was going to go do next. Yeah. Well, because he certainly this. didn't get paid by the nuns. Ever. No, I actually, that made me really upset. Yeah, <laughs> me too. The first half of the movie, me too. they had him do work and then they never paid him. I thought that was very unethical. Yeah, me too. I was like, well, and at some point he does, he makes like a joke about how like, oh, they're like, you know, they they have a slave or whatever which i was like yes they think they don't have to pay him but they can just keep stringing him along they should pay him yeah i i did not like that i enjoyed when he was trying to quote the bible as to why she needed to pay him and then they Uh had dueling bible verses because i love that it really is true that you could pretty much find a bible verse to back you up for any anything <laughs> any stance so it doesn't help to be like what about this one then someone will have something that says the opposite yeah and i feel like it would be tough to go up against a nun, a nun who was also like a mother superior <laughs> yeah. in terms of scripture yeah it made me that made me wonder about his background that he could just be like oh yeah i thought it was interesting to now I keep like going down different rabbit holes but the fact that he was a Baptist and they mm-hmm. were Catholic mm-hmm. like there is so much anti-Catholic just still to like now mm-hmm. discrimination and he didn't seem to have any issue with them like when they went to do mass he was like yeah I'll take you to mass and I'll go have breakfast like it didn't he didn't seem to have any issue with it but still now today people think a lot of people don't even characterize catholics as christian yeah it it, it was just this weird world where everyone was kind of like tolerating each other (laughs) yeah except for the one white dude who was just such an overt racist yeah and i think it's funny the director played the worst character in the movie I mean, so I didn't realize that when you, when you shared that piece of trivia and I, I would be curious to like find out more about the director. Part of me thinks like, wants to know like what the intended message of that character, like was, was the intended message of that character, the point of that character to be like this, here's this rich white dude. He's (laughs) the part of the problem, not part of the solution. Yeah. I mean, I, it felt like the movie knew that he was, Mm -hmm a bad dude yeah and I don't know how much of this was in the book or or whatnot I mean I also read that this movie was really made on a shoestring budget so I wonder if some of it was like well I'll just play a role because we can't already get made (laughs) Sidney Poitier had to like accept very little pay for to do this role like way below what he would normally have been paid yeah just because he wanted to do it so it wouldn't surprise me if he was like well I'll fill in been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. We, we kind of talked about Bechtel a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it, um, it passes thanks to the nuns. Yeah. I think, I mean, there was the scene where the local women were talking with the nuns too. Oh, yeah. And they were ta- at the party and how to yeah. like... And they tell the nuns how to like basically stop a hangover is to throw 
cold water on a person's face. Yeah. yeah, they said uh, it's the only thing that works with tequila. Yeah. So okay. that was great. But yeah, I mean, it passes. This is, it's definitely um, got a lot of female energy in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's a lot of female energy talking about the patriarchy and religious orders beyond the scope of this podcast, but. <laughs> but yeah i mean that it seems striking to me that you know the only so there was a priest in the movie mm-hmm. but he didn't seem to like try to exert any authority over the nuns yeah but it could have because he was he was unhappy about being uh assigned where he was yeah oh my gosh that's he actually like he might have been the worst person in this movie <laughs> But he was pretty, like, he, you know, just feeling sorry for himself. He yeah. seemed like he was really phoning it in yeah, um, with the people. And, and by the end of it, he seemed very moved. But it just seemed like he did not believe in the nuns. He just yeah. thought they were clueless and didn't want to be bothered with them. But you're right that, like, it's the great paradox of these female religious orders that like you can have this community of all women and there's a whole hierarchy of power within that. But then outside of that, they're yeah. all of the other powers concentrated in men. Mm-hmm. So, and yet it, that wasn't visible in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it still passes. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, I mean, I guess that like a, a thing that is like unique about this movie compared to other, uh, most of the other movies that we've watched is that there isn't a romance in this movie. Like that's yeah. Thanks to the nuns, that's totally. And it's not like he falls in love with one of the nuns. It's like uh, just not part of the story. Yeah, actually, that's one of the things. You know, as I was reading more about Portier, one of his frustrations, I think, mm-hmm. that like he spoke about was that he was not allowed, mm-hmm. like, to be a sexual person in his roles. Yeah, um, which is crazy and- because he was so handsome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, in this movie, there even though like it, it, there definitely could have been some subplot where like one of the younger nuns had a crush on him or something, but no. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Well, what do you think about social justice, though? I mean, I think we've talked a lot about like the role of the community in building uh, a chapel. Like once it gets off the ground, you know, they're all in and. You know, there's the scene where like they're building and you know the women are like roasting the food and it's a whole thing like the whole community is involved yeah I liked that and it, I mean I don't know how overly idealistic this world was but it was almost like all the people in the movie had a lower status mm-hmm. but within that status they seem to recognize one another's humanity mm-hmm. and dignity yes yeah. um and I really liked that about this movie mm-hmm. and having Ashton as like the uh, like the outsider white character sort of helps like put that into even greater relief. I think yeah, because he's the only one who is really talking down to other people. Although some sometimes the way that Mother Maria talked yeah. to Homer, I did not <laughs> like. 
were like I didn't appreciate that it yeah. did seem like she was telling him what to do a lot and it was mm-hmm. hard to mm-hmm. understand how much of it was like her thinking she had some sort of authority over him or if it was just like lost in translation those two things but also like how much of it was just like her learned sense of like oh in America the black man is at the bottom so I don't have to like respect him or you know I can yeah. I can boss him around because he's at the bottom yeah I wonder if she did think that and actually when they first meet in the beginning she refers to him as a big strong man mm-hmm. and that felt very yeah white gazy to me mm-hmm. yes yeah. like oh there's black man here so he's gonna be able to he's gonna be strong and he's gonna be able to do this manual labor mm-hmm. so for free yes for, for, uh, i still could they not have just given him the cow or something if they didn't have money like yeah yeah, yeah. the pretense of like oh god god is gonna provide you to us sure but god could also provide some money for you to pay this guy yeah, it was a very um, anti-capitalist system <laughs> that this nun was running, where it was like, you can stay here and we'll feed you, but we're not going to give you money, um, and the community will come together to do the work that benefits the community. <laughs> so what rating would you give this film? I'm going to give this movie a 4.25. That's fair. What about you? I think, yeah, I was thinking 4. Yeah. Just, I mean, the the Poitier performance was... Yes really amazing Mm -hmm. um I do think it was a little bit slow for me to be like re-watching it a lot Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but I probably would go back and watch parts of it Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh I was going all over the house singing amen everywhere I got my kids (laughs) into it now they're singing amen (laughs) like it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that is an earworm so. it is an earworm but yeah I enjoyed it and I would recommend it to other people yeah and I mean I would probably watch it again at some point in the future yeah it would have to be the right I don't think this is a movie for everyone in fact mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that it was that it had some popularity because mm-hmm. it just seems very niche in a way mm-hmm. yeah and, and there's really not a lot of action mm-hmm. so and and you're right there's no romance there's there's a little bit of comedy but not a lot it's not like it has like a gunfight or something in it. no although when it first opened and the music sounded very western and he's driving through the desert i was like maybe there will be action in this (laughs) (laughs) the nuns will whip out their sawed off (laughs) i mean they seem like the kind of nuns who could take care of themselves if something went down yeah i mean they would have to be they're out there in the middle of nowhere just the five of them yeah um so what is our next movie hillary oh our next movie is designing women yay another lauren bacall yes May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter at The Screen Sirens. Leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. And become a patron at patreon.com slash The Screen Sirens. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day. Thank you.